We hope you enjoy this message from Church on the Lake by Pastor Mike Cooper. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. And we're going to read several verses in Isaiah here. And then also we're going to go to Revelation chapter 12. And so good to see so many visitors with us this morning. Uh, So many that are here to celebrate uh, Christmas with us. And we hope you enjoyed our uh, time this morning. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 5. Those who walked in darkness have seen a radiant light shining upon them. They once lived in the shadow of death, but now a glorious light has dawned. Lord, you have multiplied the nation and given them overwhelming joy. They are ecstatic in your presence and rejoice like those who bring in a great harvest and those who divide up the spoils of victory. For you have broken the chains that have bound your people and lifted off the heavy bar across their shoulders. The rod the oppressor used against them, you have shattered all their bondage, just as you did when Midian's armies were defeated. Every boot of marching troops And every uniform caked with blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Isaiah spoke of a day to come when a son would be born, when a child would be born. Now go to Revelation chapter 12 and verses 1 through 3. And you have this prophetic word that has been spoken by Isaiah of a time to come. And now... You have the Apostle John, who's, who's on the Isle of Patmos. This is relatively, could be up to 50, 60 years after Jesus died and rose from the dead. And now he's given a revelation of the history and the future of the church of Jesus Christ. And when we get to Revelation 12, we read this amazing story. Verse 1, then an astonishing miracle sign appeared in heaven. I saw a woman clothed with the brilliance of the sun, and the moon was under her feet. She was wearing on her head a victor's crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in labor pains. So we see this, this huge story of this story of the manger, but put in cataclysmic size, put in galactical size for all of us to see what a huge event this baby being born in a manger was all about. She was pregnant and was crying out in labor pains. In the agony of giving birth, consider this, another astonishing miracle sign appeared in heaven. I saw a huge, fiery red dragon with ten horns and ten head, ten, seven heads. <laughs> ten horns and seven heads, each wearing a royal crown. He was wearing seven royal crowns. The dragon's massive tail swept across the sky 
and dragged away a third of the stars of heaven. So at the same time now, the portrayal and the picture of Lucifer rebelling against God of heaven and a third of the angels following him. You have Mary and the birth of the child, and you have the fall of Satan and all of his angels, and you see that there is a cataclysmic battle that is taking place. And the dragon crouched before the woman who was about to give birth, poised to devour the baby the moment it was born. Go back to Isaiah chapter 9, and let's go to verse 6 conclusion of this prophetic story by Isaiah about a thousand years before Christ was born. A child has been born for us. A son has been given to us. The responsibility of complete dominion will rest on his shoulders and his name will be the Wonderful One. The extraordinary strategist, the mighty God, the father of eternity, the prince of peace, great and vast is his dominion. He will bring immeasurable peace and prosperity. He will rule on David's throne and over David's kingdom to establish and uphold it by promoting justice and righteousness from this time forward and forevermore. The marvelous passion that the Lord Yahweh, commander of angel armies, has for his people will ensure that it is finished. So let me just rewind back a thousand years before Christ is born. Isaiah is prophesying of this child that is to come, this child that will rule the universe, this child that will be born, that will change everything, that will bring the kingdom of God on earth. We see in Revelation, John seeing the whole picture, the battle in heaven, the, the fall of the angels, the, the battle between good and evil, that a son would be born from a woman and that those two would come into conflict with each other. And then we finish that prophetic word with saying, the child has been born. It's coming to pass. And we all look back 2,000 years and, and we know the story. And so I, want us, I wanted us to see it from a thousand years before Christmas and, and time beyond time before Christmas because Christmas has always been about hope. Christmas has always been about hope. The baby would be born. He would be the king of our hearts. He would replace the wicked king, that red dragon that would try to rule our lives. That king's works will be destroyed. And we know according to the New Testament that it was for this purpose that the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. So that big red dragon, that little baby's purpose for being born was to destroy that red dragon, to destroy that evil, to destroy that one who tries to destroy your life. Christmas has always been about 
hope. We see that when the works of the devil are destroyed, what is that? Well, it told us here, it listed several things that are the works of the devil that this baby came to destroy, that Jesus, the Son of God, came to destroy darkness. The light of the world came to destroy darkness. He came to destroy the shadow of death. That's hope. He came to break the chains of bondage. Christmas is hope because Jesus came to break the chains of bondage over our life. We do not have to live in bondage in this world for Jesus came and he broke the chains of bondage. A heavy bar of oppression across our shoulders. Imagine how the world right now Think of the oppression of fear that is on the back of the world right now. What's going to happen to me? What's going to be the outcome? When will this virus ever end? When will we stop hearing about new variants? When, when will this bar of oppression, Jesus came to break the bar of oppression off of our shoulders. Somebody say amen. Amen. Christmas is about hope, and hope dissipates fear. Fear cannot stand in the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. The slavery of the wicked king is broken. You see, you need to understand that bondage, darkness, this this heavy bar is all about being kept in slavery that this red dragon, this, this old king that used to rule us, he wants to keep you in the bondage of slavery. And Christmas is all about hope. Hope that that bondage would be broken. And this is how we see it. So if Christmas is all about hope, and this is what it provides, the breaking away of all of these things, then Who is our king? Who is this king? Well, let's look at that. It says there in in verses 6 through 7, I'm just going to bring out these powerful words to give you a picture of our king. Because the whole idea of the righteous revolution is that king that's been ruling you, that he would die. And that you would then see the king of your heart. So if the king that's been ruling you is this red dragon and he's got a heavy bar of oppression on you and he wants you walking in fear and bondage, then who is this king of your heart? And it says a son has been born. And then he describes him. He's the wonderful one. He's the wonderful one. I remember as a teenager, I started going to... (laughs) This is going to sound a little funny. I started going to the Tuesday morning ladies Bible study. I would go to any event that was happening at my church. I wanted to be around what was happening with the people of God. And our pastor kept talking about the ladies Bible study and how God was moving by the prophetic and he was touching people's lives. 
So I started showing up at nine o'clock. They didn't kick me out. But I remember how God would move in that Bible study and the spirit of God would fall and people would be touched. It was a very dynamic Bible study. And I learned so much from them. But one day we were studying the names of God and the pastor brought out how when we call something wonderful, it can only be wonderful if it lines up with who God is because he is wonderful. So when you say, oh, that's wonderful, maybe that's fallen a little short because he is wonderful. So this king of your heart, this one that brings hope in the midst of a battle with this dragon, this evil king, this one that brings hope, he's the wonderful one. He is our king. He is the extraordinary strategist. Now, I wanted to bring this point out because this past year, we did a Bible study on renewing your mind. And what we learned during that Bible study is that God gives us spiritual intelligence. See, renewing your mind isn't just about only thinking pure thoughts. That's part of it. Of course, God wants to renew your mind so that you think pure thoughts. But really renewing your mind, really having a metanoia where you think differently and change the way you think is about believing that God can use us to do the impossible. That he can actually give you strategies on how to win the people in your work field. You're in the workforce, maybe you're a business owner. And God has strategically placed you there in the marketplace to make a difference. I'm hearing stories this past week as, as I've been in several uh, Zoom meetings with different uh, boards that I'm a part of and listening to the miraculous things that are happening around the world in the marketplace, not just in America, but around the world. It's incredible where literally entire business sectors are giving their hearts to Jesus Christ. Think about that. Entire business sectors giving their hearts to Jesus Christ. I'm aware of one uh, particular Coca-Cola division where one man felt a, a call to start a Bible study in the break room at a Coca-Cola department. And after a while, they had to ask for a new room because they couldn't fit all the employees that were coming for this prayer meeting and Bible study. There was a state agency right across the street that was over uh, roads and transportation for that particular state. And they started hearing what was happening at Coca-Cola and they were asking, can we go across the street and, and, and attend this? And they said, well, why don't you just start your own? And so they had one on both sides of the street, one in a local state agency, the other in a Coca-Cola plant. Hallelujah. You see, he is an extraordinary strategist. 
And he'll give you ideas and things that you would think, what in the world am I? And this isn't going to make any difference. And then all of a sudden, God begins to use it to shake the world. I was listening to a testimony and this is in a Middle Eastern country, so I have to be very careful of what I say, but the numbers were so staggering and I was so blown away because we, we talked a little while back about the greatest revival in, a, in the world right now at the time that I shared that was in Iran. And they were seeing more people saved, more radical salvations than anywhere else in the world, topping even what was happening in China and what's happening in China right now is astronomical of what God is doing in the underground church. But in this particular Muslim country, the move of God is so powerful right now that they're seeing 80% of the population coming to Christ. I want you to think about that. Right now, Conservative estimates across America is that 30% of America claims to be Christians. But right now, in this particular Muslim country, they're claiming that they're at an 80% salvation rate. What? Can I tell you that the largest praying army for believers in the world is in a Muslim country? And I can tell you the name of that country. It's Indonesia. Indonesia is the largest Muslim country in the world, but it is also now the number one Christian praying nation in the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is an extraordinary strategist. And what kind of strategies could he give you if you open your heart to the one who removes darkness and removes bondage and lets you be a light in the midst of darkness? What could God do through each and every one of us? Hallelujah. Now, he doesn't just give us the strategy, but he has what goes that backs it up. He's the mighty God. <laughs> You know, you can have the best plans. You, you, could, you can be the best offensive coordinator in the NFL. But if you don't have the guys that can execute the plays, you don't beat anybody. Right? So we can have all this strategy, but if we don't have the power, we don't get it done. But here, I'm here to tell you that not only does he give you the strategy, he gives you the power he is the mighty God. He says, as many as receive me, I'll give the power to become sons of God. But not only that, he said, I will fill you with my Holy Spirit. You shall receive power after my Holy Spirit has come upon you. So he promises that that mighty God will live in us and empower us. This is who our God is. He's the father of eternity. He's the father of eternity. Now, what's so cool about that? Come back to my story at the beginning with the text. Isaiah is writing a thousand years before Jesus comes. Doesn't it sound like the Christmas story? It is. It was written a thousand years before Matthew and Luke would write it. Isaiah writes it first. But then we went all the way past it and we looked back, and then we saw the cataclysmic story of good and evil. Because Adam and Eve had fallen, 
God had prepared a way to rescue us. It would be this son born of a virgin. And while the enemy is doing his deeds and, and in his pride rises up against the God of heaven and third of the angels fall, we see this cataclysmic battle. God is the God of eternity. He sees from beginning to end. Think about this for a moment. And I had somebody describe this to me because I'm like, you know, how, how does God see all of that? Well, think about that we can't see very far. I mean, the be on a best day, two, three miles on the horizon. But God can see everything. But when we look at something very small, let's take an ant, we can see the beginning to the end. And we can see that if that ant keeps going that way, it's going to get stepped on. Just like God can see our future. We can see the future of things that are minuscule and microscopic because we can see the beginning from the end. But God can see it all. We need to understand that God is the Father of eternity. If we're just living for this life, and this is a very important part of the message right here. If we're just living for this life, It's over. Has COVID not taught us anything except that life is temporary? What happens after the snap? There's an eternity after the snap. This life is very short. Even if we live a long life, let's say 100 years, it's really not that long. We just think of it as long because, wow, you're so old. Um, I really had a wake-up call this, this spring, or excuse me, this fall, when our dad, Liz's dad, came to visit us because dad's now 95. And when Liz and I got married, dad was in his 50s. Don't seem like that long ago. Liz and I have been married 40 years, so you do the math, he was 55 years old. I'm 59. Liz and I have been married this long. 95 isn't really all that long. In fact, when I think about Liz's grandma that was a part of our wedding, she would now be 130 years old. My grandmother was born in 1906, 115 or so years old. My grandma that I, I grew up with my grandma, she's 115. Life is like this. It's what happens after that we need the hope for. We need the hope for eternity, not for tomorrow, today, forever. Amen? So Christmas gives us the hope because we see who the father of eternity is. And then the last descriptive word that he uses is the prince of peace. Our God is the prince of peace. I, I just did this for a few minutes this morning just to see what it felt like. I turned on the news. Now, for, let me say this, first of all, I haven't watched the news since March of 2020. 
which was about a month after we got back from Africa. I stopped watching in March of 2020. I just couldn't take it anymore. So this morning, I just, I put it on my phone. I just put some news on and I, I read the top stories. And I said, no wonder I'm talking about the Prince of Peace today. When I started reading some of the news stories that were coming out of Washington, D.C., when I was reading what the CDC was saying, when I was reading about all of the horrible things, I needed the Prince of Peace. I needed to surrender to that God that would give me peace in the midst of a storm. And if you're filling your mind with that all the time, how much more do you need the Prince of Peace? Because I'm telling you that Fox, ABC, NBC, CNN, and all the other CBSs and all those are never going to give you peace. They are going to cultivate the spirit of fear so that you are relying upon what they're saying and not what he's saying. Our God is the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. All right, and this is what he promises. A new kingdom. A new kingdom. Christmas is all about hope. We just saw who our God is, and he promises a new kingdom. And that's what this series has been all about. The Righteous Revolution. It is about the understanding that when revolution happens, there is a new form of government. Okay, let's go back to this cataclysmic picture of heaven and this red dragon and a third of the angels. That is the ruling government. This little baby over here He's the revolutionary. He's the one that's coming to bring a new form of government. The government will be upon his shoulders. You read it with me, okay? I, I need you to see this because it's gonna revolutionize you. There is a new form of government no longer under the oppressive tail of the dragon, we are under the Prince of Peace, the baby of Bethlehem who rises to be that man from Nazareth who is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God who was crucified at Calvary, was placed in a tomb, and he rose from the dead. Yeah. He's the new king. In the righteous revolution... That's how it's described. Listen to what it says again. In, this is in um, Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. Let me just remind you. This is how it's described. His kingdom. Great and vast is his dominion. Just let that sink in for a minute. This is God's kingdom. Great and vast is his dominion. What would the television tell you? Tiny and small is a little religious right. Did you hear me? This is how the world would describe the kingdom of God. Tiny and small is a religious right. As if we're just this little minuscule 
thing on the, on the vast world kingdom. He will bring immeasurable peace and prosperity. He will rule on David's throne and over David's kingdom to establish and uphold it by promoting justice and righteousness from this time forward and forevermore. Let me do a rewind, just in case you missed world history. There were four world kingdoms. Babylon, the Medes and Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans. There's never been a world kingdom since. Because according to the word of God, there would be one that would rise up. Daniel said, and his kingdom would have no end. So from the time of Jesus to today, Jesus has been the ruling king. And it has only been as the body of Christ has surrendered to the king that we have seen the whole world change by that power. And along the way, when power comes into any institution, it corrupts. And we saw the church rise and we saw it fall. We saw corruption come to the church and the church eventually led itself into what we would call the dark ages. And for a long time, the world was under a cloud of darkness. There were pockets of remnant of believers around the world during that entire time. But then people began to read the word of God. People begin to translate the word of God into the language that the people lived in. And we had what we called a reformation. And the gospel began to spread like wildfire around the world. And in those last 500 years, all development has happened. I want you to think with me. Prior to the Reformation, the world pretty much stayed the way it was for centuries. After the Reformation, with the new enlightenment of people and the understanding of the light of the gospel and what Jesus could do in this world, there was a complete development within the world and we wouldn't be standing here on carpet with electric lights and air conditioners and I'm telling you, you wouldn't be driving home in a car and you wouldn't have computers and you wouldn't have most of what you have. You'd still be trying to draw your own water because I'm telling you that the gospel... The gospel is what awakened the world as it began to spread across the world. Hallelujah. In case you missed history, that was history 101. Great and vast is his dominion. I want you to think about that phrase. Great and vast is his dominion. What does that mean? You all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Great and vast is his dominion. He loves the world. He will bring immeasurable peace and prosperity. Now, I'm gonna get a little, maybe this will bother you a little bit. Do we believe 
that the world is going to hell? Or do we believe that our king can rescue the world and take them to heaven? Let that question just sink in. Because how you think about that will determine how you move into this new season. Do you think the world is going to hell or do you believe that the God of heaven can rescue this world and take them out of hell and bring them to heaven? Oh. If we think right there, then the righteous revolution can change us. He said, I'm not willing that any perish but that all come to repentance. In other words, he's wanting to rescue the world from, the lo- from being lost. He's wanting to pull them out of the, of the waters, those that are drowning and headed to eternity. He doesn't want one of them to be lost. The best way I can describe this is from a physical standpoint. Our dear friend who was a missionary for over 40 years in Zimbabwe, Danny Curl, the father of all of the Curl boys. We have one of the grandsons coming in January. In January, uh, one, uh, Darren Curl is coming to minister to us. He is a third generation missionary. Danny said to me one time, I read the scriptures. And it says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he said, Mike, my job as a human being is to believe that Jesus doesn't want anyone to starve to death. And so I'm going to do everything I can to keep children from starving, for I'm not willing that anyone starve to death. Now, I put that physical relationship that Danny was using to the understanding that Jesus doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He wants to rescue them. He wants to bring them out of darkness and into light. And we as believers must believe that anyone can come from darkness to light. All right, I'm going to get a little (laughs) deeper on that. Do we ever say things like this? Why would anyone bring a child into this world? Or do we believe that our children can change the world? I think that's been a lie that has caught many young people that it's almost a crime to bring a child into this evil world. That's a lie from hell. When we give birth to a child, it is the same picture of hope that we have from the child Jesus who came to change the world. And as believers in Christ, as the light of the world, we can change the world. 
You see, for the last 500 years, the church has believed that the next generation will have it better than the last generation and that we will extend the gospel to places beyond where we've ever been before. We cannot lose sight of that. We must continue to believe that every child that is born in the kingdom will grow up in the kingdom. They will not turn to the right or to the left, but they will serve God all the days of their life. Hallelujah. Our children can change the world. It says this, from this time forward and forevermore. In other words, this is an everlasting kingdom that has no end. Think of the words of the hallelujah chorus that is part of the grand Messiah and he shall reign forever and ever, forever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And he shall reign forever and ever. In the words of Messiah, we hear the truths of this gospel, but how we turn our ears off and believe that somehow this world's kingdom and the problems of this world can somehow reign over this king, but we must remember that his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and it shall never end. He shall reign forever and ever and ever and ever. So Christmas is our hope. The righteous revolution that we have looked at throughout the book of Isaiah, throughout this last half of the year, has shown us there is hope when the king who rules our hearts dies and the true king of our hearts, Jesus Christ, reigns. Let's look at one last verse this morning in Luke chapter 2. So I want to bring you to the New Testament because I, in telling the Christmas story this morning, we used a pre-Messianic prophecy 1,000 years before Jesus was born. We used a prophetic unction that, that John the Apostle received on the Isle of Patmos that told us the whole story, the cataclysmic side. Now, let's just go to Luke's narrative in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. That night, in a field near Bethlehem, shepherds were watching over their flocks Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God, and the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, don't be afraid, for I've come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. 
And it is for everyone, everywhere, for today, in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will recognize him by this miraculous sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in the feeding trough. Then all at once, in the night sky, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven, and they all praised God, saying, Glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and good hope given to the sons of men. Let's bow our heads before him. Hallelujah. Father, what a glorious story. What a glorious His story. To know that you've come to rescue us. We saw it in the past, the present, and the future. We see, God, that you reign forevermore. We see that you are the hope of this world. And at a time, God, when hope is being taken away from people all across this land, more than ever, we need the hope of Christmas. We need the hope of a Savior. We need the hope of the Rescuer. We need to know that you have defeated darkness. You have defeated the oppressor. You have defeated the slave owner and you are here to give us life and life more abundant. So Jesus, would you speak to the hearts of people here today that are in darkness, that have not seen the great light. They've heard about Christmas their whole life, but they've never experienced the love of Jesus in their hearts. And Lord, that's my prayer for today, that the hope of Christmas could come to every person that's here, many that already know it, but there's many here today that have never known the hope of Christmas. They've never known the love of a Savior. And so, Lord, today, would you open their hearts would you open their eyes to see the kingdom that's been laid out before them today? To see how it has been there all along and that you're there to rescue them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. May you as a son or daughter of the Father know the true love of Jesus Christ and understand your true identity as a royal member of his family. If you live in Polk, San Jacinto, or Trinity County in Texas, consider joining us live at 8125 U.S. Highway 190 West in Livingston. We have services Sunday at 10 a.m., Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Like us on Facebook, and if you would like to partner with us, check us out online at cotl.live.